0: Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show and we will reveal how you can become our next guest.
1: Hey everybody, Jeff Chastain here with another episode of the Building the Scale podcast where as always, I get the, the opportunity really to speak with different entrepreneurial business leaders, different influencers here, just hearing their stories Really, their their journey here as to where they've come from, how they've gotten to where they are right now, as they've grown and scaled their business. So, today with me out of Philadelphia, I have Chris Carr with FaroTech, um, a marketing agency out here for now twenty years. I think you said top twenty here in the in the area. So, congratulations on that, and welcome to the show.
2: Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me.
1: So, tell us a little bit more about yourself and about FaroTech. What what do you got going on out there?
2: Sure. Um, Well, you know, uh, I started Fairtech uh, in 2001. Um, Literally just a couple months after 9-11, I was working at a financial firm, was working the phones for a financial firm and um, just got to move into IT. And then September 11th happened. And they said, guess what? We're going to put you back on the phones. And in the meantime, I had been building websites and doing a couple things and was like, you know what? I'm not married. I don't have kids. Why don't I take the leap? And, um, and I did. And, you know, 20 years later, um, you know, you kind of forest Gump your way through, <laughs> you know, all those things. Uh, and then, you know, here we are 20 years later. You know, I, will ju- I, I make the joke very often that um, in my first three years, I doubled my income every year for three years which is phenomenal, but that just shows how little money I made. (laughs) It's like year one was like ramen noodles. Year two was two bags of ramen noodles, (laughs) you know? So, you know, 20 years later, you know, I joke around. It's like, oh, you're an overnight success. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like just.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, I actually remember was, we had another guest on a while back. Said, "Yeah, his company was an eight-year overnight success." It's like, yeah, that's that's really more that yeah. We glorify startup, we glorify entrepreneurs, and say, "Yeah, hey, yeah, look at all these, look at Elon Musk, et cetera, Kind of thing. But the reality is, nobody yeah. really starts out of the gate just on yeah. fire at that point, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Unless you're just yeah. absolutely yeah. lucky, but. Yeah. I, I can't even name a single hey, one at
2: this point. I know. I read Tim Ferriss's book and, and it's a four hour work week. I'm like, oh, really? Why don't you go work for four hours? Let me know how you do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, I wrote a book. It's called 80 Hour Work Week and I still have a a pile on my desk a mile high.
0: <laughs> you that's know that's you typically, know. The,
1: typically the way business works kind of a thing.
2: Exactly. Is this what you want?
1: <laughs> so I'm curious yeah. kind of thing. What's how's the because obviously I, was, I started probably actually a little bit before then kind of a thing with the whole website, everything was still kind of, anybody can go build a website at that point. It was all the cursors and blinking uh, tags or whatever, all that kind of garbage that was out way back when, what was, how has that kind of evolved with, with you in terms of the the business landscape, and turning it obviously into a full marketing firm. What's, what's that kind of been like over 20 years of evolution, basically with that industry. Yep.
2: Well, I mean, so when I let me tell you about my business and then I'll, I'll circle back to the, to the question you asked is, is that we started out building websites and then started actually winning some Awards from building some websites and our clients were saying, oh my gosh, we love our website. It's so great, but nobody can find us on Google. So then I had to say, well, you know what? I got to figure that out too. So now I'm building websites and I'm doing SEO. Then the argument was great website. We're on the first page of Google, but it doesn't mean we're getting more clients and so then I had to get into what we call CRO, which is conversion rate optimization. And so now we help clients build a system that generates leads, nurtures leads into clients, and then converts those clients into kind of like raving fans of your brand and your mission. And so it's, it's, it's kind of like going from a funnel approach more to a flywheel, because if you have a really great product, what you need to do is build a system around it so that it self-perpetuates, so that doing a great job alone is only going to get you just a small amount of referrals, even though you, no matter how great you do, it, it doesn't always just generate that thing. So if you have a system, you're going to be able to take some of the greatest things you do, and it's going to self-propel into a lot more leads on the other end. And so that's that's sort of the science of what we do is build these systems for these clients because transparently they come to me and they say, well, if I was just on the first page of Google, all my problems would be solved. I'm like, Nope. <laughs> you know what, if I was just at a social media presence, I wouldn't have to worry about things like, nope. Like all those things are good, but if they're not connected to one another and they're not talking, you know, um, what you're essentially doing is you're kind of building your house on sand. And I don't know that you've ever seen this or not, but like there's businesses that they were one algorithm away of losing everything and they did. And these Google algorithm changes happen quite often. Social media, you know, Starbucks spent spent millions or billions to be the most loved company in the world on Facebook, and then Facebook just changed an algorithm, and now only one percent of their audience sees their content unless they're willing to pay for that. And just even this this month, I mean, Apple says, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna put everything in favor of privacy," and now Facebook advertising it's like literally getting shot in the leg. So we think, oh, you know what? These algorithm changes, the days of getting crushed by an algorithm change, are over. Like you don't control these systems they're not yours you are like living in their world and i don't base your whole business off of one solution because you could wake up one day and heads will have to roll because they did something in their own best interest that's you know what i
1: mean, I mean yeah, that's, that's always the challenge there of being dependent upon somebody else kind of a thing there whether it's whether it's a, a certain vendor or even like you saying a, a platform or something like this cuz it's out of your control. Like you said, it, it yeah. they changed their business model. And at that point, I mm-hmm. remember the days and it's been several times that Google has changed algorithms. And all of a sudden, like you said, it's just yeah. overnight, business, business vanishes right there.
2: Yeah. Seriously. It's like, it's like watching the stock, stock market crash. Yeah. You know, but, I, but I,
1: I like what you're saying about building the entire system. Cause yeah, early days, of the website, it was, Hey, throw up a website. Everybody's will come and that, yeah. that very quickly vanished as, Millions of people had websites kind of stuff. So then, yeah, it turned mm-hmm. into the search engine optimization stuff. But even still, the, yep. I still see a lot of people dumping so much money into
2: yep. Facebook
1: ads and social media ads and stuff yeah. like that. It's like, okay. I mean,
2: like we do a lot of video and people come to me. It's like, hey, I want to make a viral video. I was like, every minute, 400 hours of YouTube videos are uploaded every single minute. Yeah. So you want to get a viral video? If I'm gonna build a viral video, I'll make it for myself <laughs> because, like, you know, you just can't make a viral video. You know what I mean? Like, there's, you just can't do that, right? And, you, I mean, there's people that win the lottery with this stuff, and you can make a really, really compelling video, but it's all gonna come in the promotion and and the system. It's not gonna be, I don't know, like the Dollar Shave Club video was. That was a stroke of genius and a stroke of luck. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, that's,
1: that's that's what I, I think a lot of people miss is there's there is still a lot of luck in that yeah area that like a game kind of a thing there's like you said there's a science on how to best put a message mm-hmm. together put a brand together but yeah having that really blow up really go viral kind of a thing there's there's a lot of luck to that still
2: yep yep
1: so i'm curious kind of going back to where we were what's what's the mm-hmm. the evolution of business look like obviously from like you said kind of starting on your own 20 years ago to now i think you're i think i saw somewhere 50 plus employees mm-hmm. kind of a thing so yeah yeah, Big-sized company
2: right there. Yeah, I mean we have we have twenty full time, but a lot of our of our employees that work for us um, are subcontracted. Uh, we have you know almost thirty five writers alone, and um, there's just a creativity curve that we found that we actually got better results out of ten ninety nine writers that were weren't doing it full time because I don't know how to describe it It's like as soon as they had forty hours a week, like fifteen of those hours. W- turn into like the the standard bs that happens when you work for a company but when you have when they're 1099 even though they've been with us for years they don't have to worry about showing up for some pointless meeting that doesn't apply to them and all that stuff like that and so what i was doing is i was keeping their unique ability and i'm willing to pay you a premium to do your unique ability and not be subject to all of the the bullcrap to just to just won't impact your job i want yeah. you to focus on your creativity not you know joining our facebook friday fun fun group or whatever you know what i mean like yeah no
1: it's I, and I, i've seen that one before on the the creative ones truly especially with writing i would say that's that's not my area kind of a thing so it's like you really got to get in the zone to sit there and do that and if I'm, I'm i'm crammed with a deadline or crammed with a hey you got to spend 40 hours a week like you're doing this i could see that turning into a burnout or turning into the point where you're You're forcing it more than you
2: have to there. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, just we track everyone's time and, you know, at least I think it's almost like eight hours, eight hours a month or eight full hours a month is just reading email. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to pay you to read your email. I want to pay you to, to do your craft. You know, so, I mean, I'm, I'm just making an argument in the aspect of when agencies do what they do when you really start to count on what the things really matter, like I think that the size of the company is based not only on who you have, what seat they're in, but also what is what allows them to have the best effort on the on their best day. And how do you maximize that and duplicate that throughout your business? And not
1: every yeah yeah. makes a lot of sense right there. Because that's really where we want them. You're hiring them for a specific role. It's like okay, like you said, creativity, how do we maximize that? How do we put them in the situation to maximize their skills, maximize their output, maximize mm-hmm. the benefit to, to everybody at that point.
2: Yeah. I mean, like if they're a carpenter, I'm not making money if you're not swinging a hammer. You know what yeah. I mean? And so that's the type of thing that we're trying to look for is just trying to figure out. it's In, in our space, transparently, there's only about when you've, you have your margin and you think, oh my gosh, it's 45 or maybe 50% margin, but then you add your overhead, your cost and all stuff like that. In my world, in the service-based industry, you're looking at maybe when everything's all paid, maybe about a 15% margin, but there's a lot of people in my shoes that their margin is like 7%, maybe 8%. Yeah. And so, so much of our job is about efficiency. You know what I mean? Like creating a really great product in half the time that, <laughs> that was needed to do it. Like I, I, I speak at a lot of colleges because I'm trying to always look for the best talent. And I'm like, here's your dream. You're gonna be able to create this ad campaign for this company. It's gonna be wonderful. But by the way, you gotta do it in 50% less time than you think. So yeah. your enjoyment level just goes because every second matters. Because the end of the day, you know what I mean? Like it's it's, oh, yeah. it's all about efficiency.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, no, I'm I'm kind of mentioning that. I'm I'm curious because. A lot of times, the creative agencies, I'm working with companies to systemize and to process, build processes and systems like that for that very reason. But yep. a lot of times, especially with creative sides, I give pushback on that saying, hey, we still need the creativity. We want the flexibility. We don't want to put in all these processes and eliminate the creativity, eliminate the flexibility there. So I'm curious kind of how you balance that. I think it was actually on your website of saying art meets science kind of thing. How do you yep. balance those two together from a, a creative agency, but still? Yeah, processing kind of thing.
2: Yep. Well, the good thing is, is that after twenty years um, and of constantly tinkering and refining, you know, I've I failed so many times that I've learned how to do it right. Do you know what I mean? Like, so that's 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 the thing you just sort of just can't teach. So when I, I, I get a lot of agencies that I find myself speaking to other agencies, and I'm just like, it's like, what do I do? I'm like, survive. Like, you keep swimming. And eventually you'll figure this out. And they're like, well, no, what's the tactic? And I'm like, I don't know the tactic for you. I know what it is for me and for the team that I built and the standard operating procedures that I have. You know what I mean? Yeah. But to do this, you're going to need a surgeon. You know what I mean? Because this is, I don't know, just my opinion. A lot of this stuff is is, is looking at the minor details that very few people look to do. And this is going to be right up your alley. Like I paid for a life coach. I could do everything that the life coach does, but they keep me accountable and they also have like a system that helps me not waste my time. And I could also fix my toilet, but I could also spend 15 hours fixing my toilet and the water will still be running. So I'd rather pay a professional to get to the brass tacks and to be able to know the thousand things that I don't know right now does that make sense?
1: Oh, yeah. No, it definitely makes sense. It's it's kind of one of those, I always fall back from a systems per state, uh, perspective onto the McDonald's story of, okay, yes, that's how they built out the franchise model because it's all systematized. But at yep. the same time, exactly what you're saying, you wouldn't take McDonald's system, their blueprint, and go try to apply it to an ad agency. It just doesn't make yeah. any sense there. You've got to figure out how to to build your own system. And that's where I think, honestly, a lot of business owners kind of struggle because they're Today, there's so many resources out there. There's so many books you can go read, but taking that book knowledge and now translating it to be, okay, what does that mean in terms of my business, in terms of the way we're running things? You still got to figure things out a lot. And sometimes yep. a, a, a coach on the outside, like I said, will help with that, bring the accountability, if nothing else, to say, okay, we're going to help figure yep. this out and drive that forward. But yeah, trying to put somebody else's boilerplate on top of your business is just, yep. it, it doesn't work.
2: But that pro is going to know, I I'm going to butcher this analogy or this story, but it's something about let's pretend like it was like a plumber and the guy, (laughs) the plumber comes to the house and basically the water's running and the plumber goes over and he looks at the thing and he tightens the one screw and he gives him a bill for like 250 bucks. And the guy says, Hey, you know what? 250 bucks. All you did was like tighten one screw. And he goes, no, it was like $25 to tighten the screw, but $175 to know which screw to turn. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, exactly. I've heard that in multiple different variations, but yeah, Yeah. it really comes down to that expertise. And I'd say it's even the same in the marketing world probably. It's like, I could go post a Google ad. It's it's not rocket science to go read their help doc, tell them exactly how to go post it. But hopefully- (laughs) In your situation your shoes you're bringing a lot more expertise to say okay this is the way we yep. want to craft the wording this is the way we want to go put it out this is mm-hmm. all the things that go into it kind of a thing there so it applies really across the board yep. to anybody and everybody from the expertise standpoint
2: yeah well let me show you where we're unique real quick hold on sure so let's pretend i'm going to do the analogy here i'm going to excuse the over dramatic way of doing this but you go in and you you go to a doctor, I'm the doctor. And you come in and you, you say, Hey, you know what? This is my routine physical. And I'm like, Hey, you know what? I haven't looked at any of your charts, maybe a couple minutes, whatever it is, but you'd be a perfect candidate for open heart surgery. You're like, this is just a physical, like you didn't read anything. You didn't do any of these charts. You know not I And mean? he's like, no, you'd be perfect for it. You're like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, that's a massive, massive decision here. And you haven't even done any of the research. You haven't had a stress test, I haven't had an MRI, I haven't had any of this stuff. Now that sounds preposterous, obviously, right? In the marketing world, this happens every single day. They say, hey, Chris, I've got a problem. I need more traffic and I need more sales. And here's some other challenges that I have. And I'm not, and the average marketing company like, yeah, well, now let me look in my piece of software. Yep, I do see that problem. Let me get back to you and I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollar proposal and you're going to choose my proposal over two other proposals because maybe I'm hundred thousand and they're a hundred and five
0: thousand.
2: Yeah. It happens all the time. All right. Like meaning my point is, is, is that with very limited research and software that almost all of us have, we create the, we sell this dream and you're making your decision off of maybe a two hours worth of research. Maybe. It's like, we're very different. Like I never give you a proposal that way. Our first two months is a gap assessment. You have to pay for this first. This is literally the size of a phone book. Nice. All right. What I'm going to figure out is what is your three to five year mission, your goals. So let's say hypothetically you want to be a $15 million company, uh, $15 million in growth. What I have to do is I have to figure out what $15 million looks like. I have to figure out how many sales, how much retention, all that stuff that has to happen. And then I got to go back and I got to look at the industry and the volume of your industry and say, hey, you know what? Is that growth possible? What level of market share do I need to get? What do I need to do to your existing platform? What do I need to do to your messaging? How many words do I got to get on the first page of Google? How many ads do I have to buy? What does all this have to look? And I literally have broken it down into a scorecard. And the scorecard allows you to figure out the priority level and the deliverables. And we we sit on this, this guide for the next three to five years constantly, we look at it like the Bible. Like we're literally constantly making adjustments to that plan, but it works. Like our clients, we have 93% retention rate. And it's because we look at the numbers and not at the marketing, even though we're doing marketing. Like if you come to me and say, I need $15 million worth of growth. And I say, got you a Facebook post, got 3000 likes on it. What do you think? I'm like, that doesn't get me to 15 million. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. So so as a partner, we have to get real with you and we need to know your numbers. We got to be accountable to your numbers and we have to follow a playbook because the reality is, is if you don't, you're going to do this thing that we call RAM, which is random acts of marketing. We base our marketing on hunches, on a website I liked, on a commercial I saw, on a Facebook ad I saw, and you're constantly like, oh, there's," it's like being at a buffet. And I'm like, you know what? if you only worked out at the gym three times a month, like no matter how hard you work out for three workouts, you're never going to get ripped. Like it just, you can't work out in a way that's going to take off all the sins you've done by eating at crappy restaurants. And and it's just not going to work. It's consistency, it's strategy. And it's like keeping the main thing, the main thing and sweating the small stuff. So. So in
1: other words, I just need you to get, come pitched all my business owner clients kind of thing because basically you just described everything I do at a, at a marketing level. I do it at the business level kind of thing. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's great. I'm sitting here pulling out key points everywhere kind of a thing there with the odds. Oh,
2: thanks. Yeah. So
1: much of that is is because it's – I'll go back to the, the you said, the three- to five-year plan kind of a thing right there. It's like so many business owners I see are just living almost in the day. It's gut feel as to what's going on in the business you're obviously focusing on the marketing aspects, but yeah, people do that from the people side, from the operations side, from the finance side, et cetera. It's like, you gotta have the numbers, you gotta have the scorecard, you gotta know what's really going on. Then like you said, even the metrics standpoint, 3000 yeah. Facebook likes, okay, what does that equate to? Our goal, like you said, is profitability. Our goal is how much mm-hmm. revenue we wanna bring in. If those two don't equate to each other, it, you, technically, yes, it's a metric that you got 3,000 likes on that Facebook post, but it doesn't mean anything. It's, it's not connected to your goal. So everything's mm-hmm. got to be driven off of that plan. And I, I really like the concept there, the idea of doing marketing that way, because like you said, anybody I can even think of or talking to is, okay, what do we do today? How, how do we get your brand image built up today? How do we get your message out there today? It's like, okay, what's the long-term strategy? And, yeah, and having and everything business wise, but especially marketing, I'm seeing tied to that strategy is
2: yeah. Major differential for sure. Yeah, but there's in, in marketing, there's two camps. There's like this is the artsy hoity-tweety people that sell brand all day with no quantitative ROI. Yeah. And then there's the quantitative ROI guys, and it looks like they're gonna give you like a stick, a stick figure that hopes will convert. You know what I mean? And so what we did was we tried to say, hey, you know what? We need to get great results, but it can't look like crap in the process or we're not going to get this. And so most times these two guys, they hire each other. The two companies that hire each other, I put them both under one roof.
1: Makes sense, yeah.
2: Yeah, and because it's about efficiency. Because if you're two different companies, even the company that hires two different companies, massive inefficiencies using two different companies to do what one job, what one company can do, if they're doing yeah. it right, if they're rowing in the right direction. No, it makes perfect
1: sense. So I'd, honestly, I would say I have love the conversation. I'd love to take it in different directions, kind of a thing here and keep going. Yeah. Uh, but still, like I said, I love the, the process, the idea there. So I'm curious more, uh, obviously, 20 years of experience, you were talking about figuring things out along the way, kind of a thing. If you were to look back at it and say, hey, what's one or two things kind of a thing there that come to mind real often that say if i had just done this earlier or tried this earlier does it might have worked out is there anything like that comes to mind
2: yeah you know um we are trying to get now into what i i i'm always like this guy has these little anagrams or whatever it is but you know there's this concept of like riches and niches what i mean by that is is that um we're very good in the orthopedics marketing space But the problem is, is is that the only reason why I don't double down on orthopedics marketing is because we get 35 leads a month. And whether you're a mold remediation company or whatever that is, if you're willing to pay, like pay the rates that we need to be paid, it's like, yeah, I'll work with you. And so I've essentially hired uh, a VP of partner growth, which is just basically a, a sales guy, a development guy. And he worries and he gets all those clients for us. And now I'm more surgical on getting the clients that we that we want rather than the clients that we need or, no, you know, I'm, not, I'm probably not saying that right. The clients we want rather than the clients that are willing to pay the bills. OK, we are we're subject matter experts in about four different verticals. And what I want to be able to do is double down on what we're really smart at rather than working with clients that we have to go learn their business. It, it costs us a ton of money to go learn your business.
1: That makes sense, especially when you're, when you're talking about putting together that massive of a playbook. That's what I was thinking when you were talking about that. I was like, That's a lot, of, yep. a lot of research, a lot of a lot of work right there, whereas fine-tuning mm-hmm. yep. down your niche, I can see that for sure. Yep.
2: But in healthcare, we're almost turnkey. I know where to look and what to say nine times out of ten. I know how often to say it. I know how to gauge success. I know how to pivot. That's what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to be in a spot where we don't deviate. We have financial goals and stuff like that. And so it's very hard to turn away like a shiny price tag. You know what I mean? So now we've crafted the company that there's a division that handles any and every business that would be a good fit for us. But we have a, a, it's not a VIP. That's not what I want to say, but it's a very tailored section of our business that deals with the areas of strategic growth where we want to be, where we want to grow. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's
1: that's, that's an interesting take on it because normally everybody says, well, niche down and only focus that, turn everything else away. But like you said, there are, there are projects, other people I'm assuming willing to pay at that point. It's like, Hey, if you're willing to pay for the Mm -hmm. discovery, then yeah, our process works. We just got to do a little bit more research right there.
2: Yep. I mean, orthopedic surgeons own the practice and trying to get, these guys get paid like professional athletes. So, trying to get 10 orthopedic surgeons to all agree to even sit down for a meeting is an act of God. And so, if I sat there and waited for them to get out of their own way, I, you know what I mean? I'd be poor. So, I need to be able to keep revenue up. But once I do get their attention, I don't lose it, but I got to get it originally. And you just can't spend your day waiting for Superman. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a God timing thing. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just my, my viewpoint. You know what I mean? Like there's, we're going to get the clients we're going to get when we get them. Um, because that's what we can handle at the time. It's just for 20 years, I've tried to force things and it's not.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I'm right there with you on that. I, I'm still looking for the system that you just put it into play and all of a sudden once a month it drops a new client out kind of thing. And it just doesn't
0: yeah. it doesn't exist.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it can, but it might not be the client that you want. Like in other words, I'm trying to get to that super ideal client base. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because when it comes down to efficiency, I can get clients. The clients are the easy part for me. I'm not saying, you know what I mean? Take that with a grain of salt. Getting ideal clients are very different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'd
1: agree with you on that. Yeah. Because it's, you tend to get, and granted, yeah. this is this is your area for sure. But yeah, getting them, it's, yeah. it's easy to cast a wide net and get a whole bunch of things. But it's like, okay, do you you want the ones that you yeah. really want right there for yeah. your niche? It's, it's
2: ideal, ideal clients. We make good margin, and they get great success. They get really good wins, and they we we reach those goals we outlined. Those are the ideal clients, and those are the ones that I am willing to shop for, bleed for, do whatever it takes to find them because they're out there. You know what I mean? The oh, yeah. other clients, I have to mold them into ideal clients, which cost me Farotech more money. We eventually get there. But there's, there's blood. <laughs> there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to try to turn an average client into an ideal client. They're not born that way. You know what I mean? They- oh, yeah. No,
1: I'm, I'm right there with you. Because there's the in, in my world, there's the, the client that is coachable, is, is willing to learn, is willing to adapt, is willing to change versus if there's the other one that, yes, they mm-hmm. see the value into it, but they're stuck in their ways kind of thing. They're not willing to adapt that, hey, this is the way we've already done things. Even though you're showing me something that might work, I'm not willing yep. to take the risk or to adapt. Yeah. same kind of thing they did yeah they're I mean, maybe willing to pay but yeah one's going to be a lot more successful one's yeah. gonna be a lot more work for me trying to sit there and keep beating on that wall until you finally decide to make that decision to say okay we might try something yeah. new here.
2: yeah i mean we're an engineering firm that needs a writer that's triple um has has a double master's degree and doesn't want to do that once to be a writer i'm like oh those writers are just on every corner
0: yeah <laughs> good you luck
2: so I do want you to help you grow, but like the assassins, I need to write your stuff. Like literally they're, they're on sitting on Mount Olympus right now. I mean, they're there. I can find them. And you're gonna have to pay for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. It, it's, yeah. it ain't easy. You know what I mean? It's, but they're willing to, they're willing to make the investment. So now we make the promise and then I got to go fulfill it. And then I got to find really great talent all within budget and stuff like that. It's, that's a less ideal client. Do you know what I mean?
1: Oh yeah, no, exactly. And I I think that, like you said, that that really applies across the board that there's always, there's always that certain area that fits within your wheelhouse, a lot easier kind of thing versus others. So. Yep. Yeah. I think that applies, applies across the board. So definitely appreciate the time. Appreciate the insight. If people want to learn more about you, about marketing, about Farotech, where's the, where's the best place to go find you?
2: Uh, You can go to Farotech.com. That's F-A-R-O-T-E-C-H.com. Um, you can also email me at info at fairtech.com And then from the social media handles, things. My name is Chris Carr, and you can find me in. You'll know where to find me. <laughs>
1: if it's marketing, probably just about everywhere. So, yeah. Yep. yep. But yeah, we'll definitely get the links all, all right here below. So I appreciate the time, appreciate the expertise, and yep. great talking with you.
2: Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.